0: Yes, that's right, Stu, I am a sexy boy. Oh, sorry, didn't see you there, hear you there, who knows, it's a podcast. Welcome to the MHG podcast, it's episode 99, and we are about to do our final game of the year list. And, I tell you what, so something, a little bit extra, like an 80s TV show, the intros are brilliant. The rest of the content, eh, so-so. So, So this, mate, I'm joined by the littlest hobo, it's Stu. How you doing, Stu?
1: Well, I might be The Littlest Hobo, but I am part of a crack commando unit. So, you know, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. But, yeah, I, I actually used to love The Littlest Hobo. That was that was a great yeah, program. But, but
0: let's... Was it, though? I wa- I watched it a few years ago again, because I thought, I've always loved the, the, the intro. You know, there's a voice that keeps on calling me down the road. That's where I'll always yeah. be. You know, absolutely brilliant. It's a so cold classic. And then I watched a couple of episodes. I, like, downloaded them, and... Uh, It's not aged well. It's not aged all that well. In fact, a lot of things from the 80s haven't aged that well. Well, That's
1: very, very true. Let's not be nostalgic. (laughs) Factorism. But (laughs) it's the most wonderful time of the year, and that does include watching a load of old stuff from your past, I find. But. There's actually some decent stuff on telly this year, and I'm quite well geared up for Christmas and quite excited
0: now. Are you feeling the Christmas buzz? Well, I promised this year that I would get in, into it a bit more, and so I, I, I have been. I've been less miserable. Really weirdly, like, like, I think I said it on the podcast last year the best Christmas was last year, I think, because everyone else was miserable. <laughs> Everyone else was having my Christmas, so I had a great Christmas, because everyone else was having the Christmas I usually have. Uh, but no, I kind of enjoyed last year, and I thought it was actually good to be happy and stuff like that, so a bit more effort. We've been doing the Elf in the Shelf crap, but on the whole, yeah, no, be into it a bit more this year. I still won't wear a hat. Oh, no. That that could go, that's, that's how it could go die in a fire. straight in the bin. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't waste money on Christmas jumpers, because you wear them once, I've got one, I, I've don't. got one I
1: was given, but I'm like a really like warm person. Like, you know, not just warm hearted listeners, because I am that as well. But um, no, I, I, you know, I can't really wear warm stuff. And if I put a Christmas jumper on, I literally cook quicker than the turkey. So I've got one, but I practically never wear it.
0: See, part of me goes, if I got one, I'd want to get like an ironic gaming one or something like that. So, like, a Sonic Christmas jumper or a Zelda one. But then part of me goes, I'm only gonna wear it in the flat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the <laughs> yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wear a coat when I go out in the winter. Yeah. Why? I... Christmas coats. That's what we need. Don't. Don't Ooh. do that. Oh no, that's a really good idea. No, no, it's not. No, because <laughs> then there'll be Christmas coat day, and you'd have to wear a Christmas coat. Get the kids a Christmas coat for school. We go. Oh, you don't get into Christmas. No. Okay, I'm just getting into the spirit of it and stuff like that at the moment. OK, doing Elf on the Shelf baby steps We're not having Christmas coats.
1: No, true. And also, like, come January the 1st, you take your Christmas coat off and then you'd be getting ready for Easter and putting on your, you know, your bunny merchandise or whatever. So, yeah, no, too, too commercial these days. I like it when it's just, you know, in the family, doing rubbish, eating too much.
0: <laughs> I like the commercial side where people go, oh, it's about Jesus and the Lord, or it's not. Uh, no, 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 right? It's about the commercialism. The sooner we realise that, the better. It will be more fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't do not like, It's like Christmas dinner. We're not having a Christmas dinner. We went and bought a bunch of party food from Iceland and we'll just have some of that and make that yeah. last a couple of days.
1: I really uh, like your Christmas plan. It's always really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we used to go for a Chinese, but the buffet shut down because of COVID. Yeah. I never yeah. reopened again. So that's out because I've refused to go to the Toby Carvery and pay. 75 to 85 quid for a meal that usually costs 12 quid
1: Ooh, definitely not it's not worth that money although they're nice they're not worth uh, that money
0: eh, it depends where you get your potatoes sometimes i've had some really horrible potatoes out of there you oh, really yeah. want to get a, you've got to time it right and I, I can't be arsed with that christmas day
1: I have been blatted by a rock hard potato at those places before. Yeah, it I like, does happen.
0: I like a crunchy out, a soft dinner. I don't like soft out, a hard dinner, or soft in it, it, it both, or too hard always, or burned. No, got to get it right. You've got to get there right. Can't be asked with that Christmas Day. And if I'm paying 85 quid for a meal, I expect perfect roast potatoes every <laughs> time. And they're not going to do that.
1: <laughs> Quite right. So, so this year's roast of the year. <laughs> Roast of the year. So we do our top tens. So at number 10 is the, <laughs> no, the no, bean no. roast. <laughs> go on, off you go.
0: Yeah. Uh, right, so yeah, talking of roasts and top tens and whatever, it's game of the year, Stu. It's game of the year. I know, right? Now, what's really good about this, we've both been playing the same game this week, and I believe this same game gets him to both our top tens for the year. Maybe.
1: Uh, maybe. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So, But before we do go into the top ten, I'm... Because I'm really, really prepared. I'm always really prepared, you see. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put up my my list picture. Yeah. couple of vulnerable mentions from me. And if any of these appear in your top ten, obviously we'll go into detail when we hit our top tens. But Solitaire Conspiracy... Toem, Monster Train, Art of Rally, Chernobylite, Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, Nuts and Inscription. All fantastic games, just missed out on my top 10, check them out if you get a chance.
1: Sounds good, and from my side I would say Unpacking, which I have not had chance to unpack <laughs> very much. <but laughs> I've I not played... had
0: any chance to play that because it's too bright.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I played it a little bit and I like what I played but I just haven't had time to really go into it. Um, Horatio goes snow- snowboarding which is very simple yes. but very fun. Just got yes. a Switch
0: release this week as well by the way. Oh All right, today. oh there we go. As of well, recorded it's just come out, so lovely Christmas present for people, they get it.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, let's not get everyone's hopes up too much. It's not, an, it's not like a game changer, ironically. No,
0: no, no. I enjoyed it on the Switch, and they made some good accessibility updates from the first release to where it is now. So, yeah. I, yeah, get, I, Try it, try it. We're not going to go too long. Try it. I like that game. It's a really good game from a very small team. True.
1: Uh, and also, yeah, Death's Door, I wanted to shout out as my least-liked But best played, (laughs) so is a game that I don't, you know, just didn't click with me at all. But I would, in a really weird turnaround, is one of those that I would heartily recommend anyone who's into um, that kind of exploration action game, sort of Zelda-like, that has an underlying Souls-like core to it. I don't, but people do, and if you do, don't sleep on this one. Get it straight away, you
0: know. I, I really want it i really I think, want yeah. that one but yeah, i think you'd like yeah not yet into the new year maybe into the new year i might get it well um, when it's i don't want to get it when it's, well i will get it when it's on a sale but with someone i look at it and go I'd, I'd quite happily pay full price for that i just can't at the moment yeah so in the new year i'm definitely that's that that'll probably be towards next year's game of not this year type one yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um the last two uh, R-Type Final Two, which I was disappointed by, but in retrospect, it's it's a, you know it's a solid shooter, you know, and if you like yeah. horizontal shooters, buy it. And Flynn, Son of Crim- Son of Crimson, which most people, you know, anyone who's got Game Pass can play, and is a really, really, really good platform game, platform action game, and only just missed out on my top ten. So there you go.
0: Yeah, those are some really good games in there on both our lists. If you only played the games in our honorable mentions, you could. Prefer- form a pretty solid Game of the Year list on their own, so can't wait to see what we've got in our list. I bet they're all agreeable, and everyone loves them. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, you could go first, Stu, because traditionally, you go first with what you've been playing, so you could hit with the first number 10. Cool,
1: yeah. Well, my number 10 is a game that won't be controversial, and just one sad note, and then the rest of the podcast is going to be completely, you know, upbeat about (laughs) stuff. But... it is disappointing that you're not during sort of conversation online, you're not really just allowed to genuinely love something unless everybody else loves it you you know, there's a lot of stuff where you kind of, if it's a popular game, it does tend to get knocked down, because people want to feel I don't know, like they're in control or that they're, you know, cleverer or more intelligent than you, whatever Um, and that, that doesn't always happen but it happens too much for my liking, I find it a bit you know, that's a bit sad. But it doesn't happen to smaller games, and most of our favourites are smaller games, and that's great. And one of them that has had no negative feedback whatsoever is my number 10, which is Natsuki Chronicles. And that's a side-scroll and shoot em up It beat final, uh, final R-Type Final 2 out of the list, and it's just a really, really good game. It doesn't take horizontal shooters anywhere really new or special, but what it does do, it has really brilliant mechanics, it's really sharp it, the, what's so important with these types of games is that they feel impactful and, and in, entertaining and instantly grab you and the minute you jump on them they're fun, 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 right from the off and it has that in spades and it's a really, really good new IP in the shooter genre and I'd, yeah, heartily recommend it definitely worthy of my top 10 and there it is
0: how anime is it?
1: Not very. It has little anime windows, you know, the, they cop, pop yeah. up with uh, yeah people, but they don't have any dodgy anime stuff whatsoever. It's all bright, colourful, childlike, very you know good for the family, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, yeah, so... What, what, see, I'm not on about hentai, right? I'm not on about that side of, oh, if someone sees me playing this on the bus anime, that, that, needs, that needs to be categorise somewhere else. But it, is it like very like flashy and sort of like over the top type stuff or is it grounded?
1: It's more grounded. It's it's traditional. It's done in the traditional style. Uh, I would say that it's kind of visual touch points of things like Border Down and Air Buster, which is an old one, a really old one that most people won't know. Yeah, Those two are the kind of like, it's got a lot of good red, green, yellow red orange yellow separation it's kind of it's one of those that has a good colour scheme so that all like loads of stuff is kind of on one side of the spectrum and loads of other stuff is on the other and it's really easy to visually navigate it so yeah no it's not crazy anime way over the top can't see what's going on flashy it's just attractively presented in a traditional way
0: Excellent. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I think I've had a look at it before, but it's not quite. It's, again, I, I'm not very good at them, so it's one I'll pick up if it hits a, a like a really cheap sale or Game Pass or anything like that. Yeah, just but yeah, it does. It does look good, and it looks like if you're a fan of the genres, then definitely one to try out for sure. So, my one, I want you to tell me if this is a AAA game because if it is, it's the only AAA game that's made it into my list. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure it counts as AAA, even though it's from one of the biggest publishing houses, whatever, out there, one of the most well-known companies. But it's Microsoft Flight Simulator.
1: Ooh. Yeah, no, I don't think it is a trip I don't know. I don't know. How do you cast
0: these things? It's niche, isn't it? It's a niche. It's yeah. not even a game. Yeah. But, you know, um, so for me, with this, I, I, I put this on for a couple of reasons and put it in there. One, it was just spectacular to play. And it's one of the games I looked at and just when we are blurring the lines. Virtual Tourism is, we spoke about this last week, I think. Um, yeah. Virtual tourism done in Microsoft Flight Simulator is spectacular. I've done things in that game I will never do in my real in my in my life. Um, I'm not one of those who can go on a gap year and visit, you know, Rio de Janeiro, visit like the Alps and stuff like that. I can't go and do that. But in Microsoft Flight Simulator, I can, and in some of the more well-known places, you can fly close to the ground in photo Maps and uh, and stuff like that, and the body community are making it even better, and it's just amazing. And then you started hearing the stories of people who like one of the most beautiful stories I heard was um, data shows that the first place people went to in Microsoft Flight Simulator was home, yeah, yeah, and, and stuff like that. And I just went, do you know what? That's beautiful. It is. that's what gaming could do, uh, and I haven't played it for a good number of months. Um, again, Vision and other stuff to play. and But getting my flight stick out and taking a long-haul flight and just relaxing is just, oh, it's, it's an experience. And I just, yeah, I loved my time with it. And I will go back into it. I'm just scared of getting it updated. That's about the only negative I can say about <laughs> Flight Sim is can we utilise the cloud data a bit more to stop the massive... Patches every other week. <laughs> yeah. But when you read it, oh, it's such an experience, amazing. Yeah,
1: it really is. And it's a technical showcase. And I would go as far and this is a big step, it's a big, big, big step, but I would say it's one of the wonders of the modern world that should be put into a museum to show what yeah. humans can achieve. Because there is nothing nothing negative in it. It's just a wonderful experience of, you know, technical skill, of artistry, beauty, you know, mechanics, just every everything that you would need, everything that human beings can do that is exceptional, shoved into one package. And and I can give even a, an example of, of this to illustrate. So me and my wife took my mum up to my sisters in Ilkley uh, last weekend so she can spend Christmas there and we were chatting about it came on the chat came onto games because my nephew's really into games now which is great yeah and for some reason I can't remember why that's right we were talking about our, our earliest gaming experiences and my wife's partner one of his was Fight Simulator and I was like oh well, have you seen the new one and he hadn't. So I stuck a video on on YouTube and like the entire family were blown away even the one not in, one's not into games. They were just like is this a game? I was like, "Yep. This is a game. This is where we are now." And I just think yeah. it's it's just phenomenal and I think anyone that you show it to can't help but be delighted by it.
0: Yeah. And I I've said before when when, when we first started talking about this when it first came out um I think I said to you that This should be brought into schools and used for educational purposes. I say a video I saw was someone who, explained how lift and drag and everything worked by setting the weather settings custom with a plane on a runway, set the weather settings, the wind settings, everything, and showed that you could get a plane off the ground and flying without having to use the runway properly because of physics and stuff like that. It's like you just showed me that at school. Like that, yeah. everyone would have paid attention. Because there you go, right, so can you do that? What, show them what can be done. They go, right, what do you think you need to do to recreate this? And get the kids working in teams to recreate that on Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, and the other thing that really blew me away was we played it once and we decided to fly around Chelmsford on it. Don't know why. It's just like, oh, it's fly a bit around Chelmsford. It was pissing down in Chelmsford. <laughs> it was pissing down in the game. And then it stopped raining. And within I wanna say ten minutes, not even that, it stopped raining in the game. Oh wow. I like Wow. And sort of like sort of like I so we went sort of like me, me and Lucas did it we went like, I wonder if like it's just cause the rain's moved or whether it has just stopped raining. So we kind of banked around, came back and flew further out to help. And then you kind of fly into the rain. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's Jesus. I know. So you could use it again for learning weather patterns and stuff. It's such an amazing tool, but um, I'm not going to go into because we spoke about how games can be used for education without actually being crappy educational games. And yeah, this just, oh, a Microsoft Flight Simulator is amazing. It really is. It's, it's 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 set a new standard for what a simulator can and should be.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And I think in in an era when people are very sort of happy to challenge you know, science, uh, unfortunately. I think it's a really, really good tool to go, okay, well, we'll show you. We'll show you what the real world is like and how these things actually work. And you can get into a base level of understanding of something so important, uh, you know, about geography, size, scale, distance, weather, all sorts, just from a, a game that is effectively
0: free. So, yeah. To be honest, the anti-vaxxers should love it because it's the only chance they're getting to go to Spain this year. Or next, <laughs> yeah. it's the anti-Brexit oh, yeah. game because you can actually. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the anti-Brexit game because you can actually go somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: without a passport, we can right. free free travel. But yeah, at number nine, I have the Solitaire Conspiracy, and mm. very uh, you know deserving of its place, I think, because it is a champion of a great idea and it's just landed where it should be It on the switches it's perfect home even though like you said you know <clears throat> you need to make sure you use the accessibility options to to be able to see it properly sometimes even in my case i, I spent most of the time zoomed in i just found it easier but that was in there you know and if i'm a tight ty- you know it's one guy basically and It's just pure expression and ideas thrown down in a really short space of time to create something very, very pure and really, really good fun. And yeah, it's a champion of ideas and it's a really excellent game in and of itself.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. The only reason it's not in my top ten is, and this is going to be some hypocrisy with some of them you hear from me later, is that I played it last year. I absolutely loved it and rinsed it last year. And I I played it again this year just because I could. Yeah. Um, and that's why it got an honorable mention just not into my top ten. It's an absolutely fantastic game. Um, uh, Greg Miller, absolutely top performance out of nothing. I was not expecting that. Um, but, yeah, it's... um. Really, yeah, it's such a well-made, well-crafted game. But what else can you expect from Mike Biffle? In all fairness, yeah. it's um, outstanding. It's brilliant. Everything about it. If you've not tried it, pick it up. It really is good. It's a, it's one of those that I, it may
1: take a while for people to understand how great it is. Simply because a lot of people will go, "Well, it's not quite what I'm after. I'm not really into card games or." On the other hand, they might go, oh, it's really quite short and I, I don't really want to spend the money. But it's like one of those little indie film hits where, you know, it, it yeah. grows and grows. And I hope it's going to be like that as well. And I'm sure it's probably done really well anyway. So, yeah, if you've not played it already, you know, definitely pick it up It's one of the highlights of the Switch this year.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so my number nine is, I'm, I'm guessing this will appear somewhere later is mini motorways ah very good uh, now does it does it appear a bit later or should i go into detail now it
1: does not appear later no it's one no. of my honorable mentions but it didn't end up in my top 10 unfortunately
0: so i absolutely adored this um, it's the sequel a sequel of sorts to mini metro a game where basically you've got to. Uh, it's it's a strategic city builder, but as a puzzle game in a way. So basically what happens is you've got uh, like different places you've got to get cars to, and they pop up on the map, and you've got to draw new routes, and then you get access to new roads or new types of roads or traffic lights, roundabouts, etc. And then that allows you to manage the traffic. It's a traffic management game in a way. But it's so done in such a way that it's so simplistic in terms of how it presents itself. That everything is focused towards you getting better at the game so even when it gets really really busy you can still pause the game watch what you're doing by the way the fact it lets you pause to check stuff well done brilliant um some games when they do it, they pause it and they kind of like block the screens so you can't work out what you're doing don't do that that's that's dumb uh, but anyway Let's you pause the game, lets you think. You can completely destroy it and rebuild it. And there's some, there's some little punishments for that, such as um, you've got to wait for cars to finish on their route and stuff like that before you, it starts demolishing the roads. But such a really good concept that once you've played it two, three times, you're in, you're in. And you just want to get better and better. Has, I think, about eight different maps. Uh, it's got a daily challenge to it. Again, I'm going to promote this excellent accessibility options you've got a normal mode and you've got a dark mode brilliant well done love it superb game
1: yeah I completely agree with that it would have challenged my top 10 much harder if I'd had more time to play it again oh you know so time limited it's like this stuff is is so cheap now that it's almost feels like it's free it's the price of a cup of coffee or a little bit above sometimes I bought this in a two pack with Mini Metro and it was ludicrously cheap, under a tenner for both games, and it, it's easy to buy, hard to find the time to play. I just, yeah, it's it's a great game, and it really, really would have been challenging at my top. I think if it if I'd played it more. But what I I think is really great with this stuff is it's that thing of that we keep championing of niche ideas coming to the fore, and I feel that in the bigger space, like. Very few of the kind of city builders ever, you could never really call them A, not unless they're like SimCity or City Skylines. Even
0: that I wouldn't, no. I wouldn't call either of those triple no. either. No,
1: they're not, are they? Um, but even the big ones like that, that aren't even A. they kind of feel like they have to one-up each other, and they have masses of DLC and all of that, and none of them like it's an arms race and none of them will back down and do a more simple game and it's taken a small studio to sort of take it back to you're only gonna have a handful of things and that's going to make it even with only a handful of things it's going to be very very complex and difficult but in a good way
0: and they've done that
1: with mini motorways
0: yeah at least the traffic management side of it i think is what most people want from certain uh from certain city builders there's a like a whole series on youtube of a guy i can't remember his name Um, and basically his whole stick on the is he does traffic management and that's what he does because that's what most people want Um, and the idea of that's it and you just take everything else away from it and it's a high score game puzzle game management game they've nailed it Um, and i still say next up mini airports yeah, and I'm pretty sure you'll bang on with that. Unless they go... Yeah, mini harbours, that'll be another good one. Mini harbours. Well, I was just going to say, you just read my
1: mind again. You see, that's how in love we are. <laughs> um, it's just, I was... Sorry, Bill. <laughs> I was going to say, if they don't do air lines, it'll be because they go, oh, we can't do that. Oh, Brad said it. Let's do mini shipping lanes. So, yeah, it'll either be shipping lanes or it'll be aircraft. And I think it'll probably be aircraft.
0: Yeah. Oh, can't do that. they said that. Mini pedestrians. Nope, we've said that there. <laughs>
1: mini mars building a new society on mars
0: there you go oh yeah i'd be well up for- oh my god mini space race oh yeah, yeah there we yeah. go come on let's get it on nice <laughs> you've got the next five years worth of games there guys off you go go make we it you should get hired for this stuff go on <laughs> then go on then what's your next your- one no it's yours yours number eight.
1: Oh right yeah it is god that's professional isn't it um so my number eight was a lovely 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 little game that gets on the list for being lovely and that is omno yes. yes so yeah omno is like a platformy puzzle game it's got elements of journey and elements of eco but then doesn't everything that's ever had some sort of traversal since eco came out yeah. and uh yeah it's it's done in the Oh God, I've blanked on the name now. But it's 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 good. the game engine's lovely. It's very it's very pretty. It's very simple. It edges towards just being like flat shaded polygons, but it's very colourful. And the puzzles are generally simple. It would have ended up actually in my top five if not for the fact that towards the end, I found there was a bit too much kind of like time based puzzling. And jumping around and jumping was not the game's strong suit anyway um yeah so i didn't actually complete it and i think i was right at the end and i was like no nah, i'm out so like 95 percent of the game i loved and i didn't like the end but that knocked it down a little but there's so much to love in the game it's it's got a generous heart it's about a kind of you know it's like journey in that you are you know on a journey you're trying to find Enlightenment or peace or beauty, and that there are a few, there's a subset of games, a really tiny 0.1% of games that actually, you know, have that as their core concept. And this is one of them, and it's really gorgeous, lovely to play, handles really well. As I say, some of the jumping is a bit janky, but you know, small studio. Other than that, really has a heart, a real heart to it, genuine. And yeah, I feel like it really deserves its place on the list.
0: Yeah, I've got to try everything, but I know it's mostly combat-free. I can't remember if it was completely combat-free or not.
1: Yes, it is combat-free, yeah.
0: Yes, it was, right. Because I know there's another one similar that was mostly combat-free that came out, but had some combat in it. Uh, The one that was completely combat-free. Do you know what? More combat-free games, please. Yes, I'm totally with you there. Totally with you.
1: So games that would traditionally have fighting in them. Yeah, but just strip it out.
0: Mm, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, that so yeah, yeah, you know, so that that that's that's a really great challenge. Sometimes it's nice just to have a game that you just go there's no reason other than it's lovely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, really necessary. Really necessary, I yeah. think.
0: Yes. Uh um, but I've got one a bit later that falls into that category, in my humble opinion. Anyway. Awesome. Uh, but next up, bit more of a challenge. It's circuit superstars. It's a it's a top down racing game. Um, which seem to be the you in thing, uh, because obviously you've had Art of Rally. There's a Rush Rally on the Rush Rally Origins coming out, just come out on the Switch. There's Super Woden uh, Grand Prix, which is top down, um, and now you've got Circuit Superstars, which is out in early access, and then it's, it's still getting more done to it. Even though it's got a proper release, it's coming to all the consoles later. But I played it on PC. It takes what is the original concept for me of Championship Sprint, and it just builds out from there. So, Championship Sprint, I really liked it. was so simple, but you felt like you had to approach it still like an actual racer. It wasn't, even though it was arcade, you still had to consider like corners properly and stuff like that. And this does this, but obviously much bigger tracks, better graphics, things like that. And um, yeah, I just really, really like it. You've got time trials on, they've got Grand Prix, they've always added new stuff. So, they've just added um, like. A like an oval track with stock cars in it as well, so you got like proper like almost NASCAR. Haven't got that as a series in there yet. It's just as like as a single like you could choose that as a single event. Uh, But I'm like, yeah, I want this now to become the almost like the official game for all the different race series because it's just it's spectacular. And uh, there's a Formula One driver. I can't remember who it is. I want to say maybe Pierre Gasly um, actually plays this game and is on the leaderboards and stuff oh, like that as well. Nice, excellent. And he plays it for fun, which, which is really good because I think it's good to see stuff like that. But yeah, it's just it's a very simple concept, just done so, so well. Um, and I wasn't expecting to have it on my list this year because I thought it'd still been early access for a while, so I was going to get away with not doing it. But yeah, it's out, it's on PC, um, absolutely brilliant. And because it comes out of consoles next year, I expect to see it next year. As well on my list because yeah it's really really good and possibly the best racing game out this year ahead of Forza Horizon Five for me <laughs> definitely yeah
1: um, that that looks really great and I not picked it up yet but it's it's one of those that's on my list and it does really yeah. do a lot it's got that kind of Toontown you know aesthetic you know that is very very Oh, it's Moorish. It's like candy, you know? It it just yeah it just draws you in and it's like, Oh, I wanna
0: play that even if the game's junk. But it sounds like it's not. No, the only thing I would ask, and this, this is just this is just me. I would love that if anyone could mod it, modders could do this. I wanna see him put the uh, the old championship sprint aesthetics on it, just f the giggles.
1: Oh, that'd be nice, yeah.
0: Because yeah. Just because. But yeah, it's an amazing game, absolutely outstanding and it's better than Art of Rally, and I loved Art of Rally. And I don't say that lightly. Excellent.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I really am going to get that. So I'm assuming there's going to be a Switch port of this.
0: Yeah, so PS4 port comes out in January, and an Xbox port I can't, if it comes out with a PS4 port or a bit later, and then Q2 2022 is when they're aiming for the Switch port. So I reckon holidays next year after delays and stuff like that. Uh, but just get it right. Get it right. I can wait. I've got it on the PC, so I'm happy to wait and then I'll play it all over again. Yes,
1: I, I think it probably will take time to get right on Switch.
0: It's got pit stop strategies. I remember playing it again. You can do pit stops. And it it feels like you've got playing your pit stops properly as well, even though it's like, it's just, it's just got so many little levels. It looks so simple, but look, again, I'm going to might talk about it properly another time, properly, properly. But it's got so many levels to it. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get squeakier the JB Carragher on a rant.
1: You are, yeah. <laughs> oh, while well, we're talking to Jamie Carragher, <laughs> my wife's got a, a joke she always says when she, whenever he's on, which is oh, I've got
0: a pound on him. Hey, do you remember? I do, I do remember that. When he, I I love the fact that it was wrong, but if a fan's gonna throw a pound at you on a football pitch. I, the ones that pocket it, that's always funny, but to have the balls to pick it up and launch it back at them, oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Right then, do you, do you want my next one?
0: Yes, I do, before I go off on a tangent about JB Carver. Yeah, it's probably for the
1: best then. So yes, at number seven, I have Guilty Gear Strive. And Ooh. it's one of those that, like uh, you mentioned when we were talking about it a little while back, it's kind of... The, gaming, the fighting game community has its own kind of standards and the way that they talk about things and the way that they adopt things. And yeah, if you're outside of that, it can be a little bit difficult to, to know what's going on. I <clears throat> I don't know whether it's been adopted by the community or not, but I just really enjoyed it. And I've not enjoyed a 3D fighter for, for quite some time, uh, just for various reasons, one or the other. But this really brings something new to the table for me. I, I, I like its systems. I like all of its kind of like, like they've all got the specific names that I don't know, but like counters and limit breaks and all that sort of stuff. You know, the way that you smash people through the wall and, and stuff like that. It's just really well put together. But I honestly have to say that of the reason it's so high is because of the graphics and again we hardly ever really go on about graphics apart from when there's an aesthetic that we really like but in terms of Mm. the ingenuity and you know just pure fun and stylishness of those anime visuals that it has oh it's just it's just a joy it's like it is like playing a cartoon and the biggest compliment I can get is if you show, like, seven-year-old me this game and you said, you know, that's a game, that's not animation, and you can play it and it's great, my head would literally have exploded. I would never have reached this age to play it because my head would have been everywhere and I'd have been dead. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal-looking game and great fun to play. So it uh, just deservedly there for me.
0: Yeah, I'm not very good. I've given it a go. I'm not very good at it. I'm rubbish at fighting games. But I love. I, 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 Every now and again, I see it popping up on a YouTube video, and I'm like, I'm just gonna watch that for five minutes, just because it's spectacular. Yeah. Uh, you could make, ah, oh, so you could make an anime like an actual like series based on that as a as a series fighting series, and just use actual like in, like people actually playing the. F- it's just it just it's just you. It, it'd be seamless between animation and gameplay. It'd be amazing. Yeah.
1: Yes. I know. I know. I think we're going there to a degree. You know, I think we'll, we'll yeah. be we'll be there in a few years. Uh, and you can well, see do you my... remember
0: when the remember when the PlayStation Two came out and they they picked up the emotion engine. It'll be ah, oh, you'll have an intro and then you won't realise it because the game's actually started and you'll be wondering why nothing's happening. But it's the, the what the graphics you get in the intro be what you actually play and it kind of like never really got to that. Yeah. Um, at that point, but now, yeah, but it's, I don't think you could do that with hyper realism, but with, like, the most impressive thing is we're getting games that look like actual cartoons, like Cuphead is another one, that just blows my mind that that's possible. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Guilty Gear is, oh, it is, I is. don't think I've ever seen animation that good in a video game before.
1: No, no, and it, it for it to be as good as a lot of animation, you know, a lot of series, cartoony series that are out now, but be phenomenally better than most of the stuff that we grew up with, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. yeah, I know it's different because there's more backgrounds and there's, you know, facial animation and, you know, lip-syncing and all that. But, anyway, it's just gorgeous and it it's wonderful and it deserves to be there just for being pretty.
0: Yes, definitely. Right, my number seven, and... We changed to our regular scheduled program in this one because what I did have at number seven a shot further up my list. And you'll find out what that is very soon. Um, So at number seven is the previous number six. It's Spelunky 2. Oh, hey, nice. And I don't know what to say I mean, you know Spelunky. Everyone knows Spelunky. Spelunky 2 is more of the same. Is it better than Spelunky? No. Is it worse? Uh, no. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just more Spelunky. It does a few different little things in it. And I'm still discovering loads with it. And I think like you said with Omno, it's just a lovely game. It, this is just right about. It's just one of those games that I could put on, play whenever. Um, I don't care if I've not played it for months. I could just slip back into it like a glove. Uh, but I, honestly, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, because it's just, it's Spelunky. And it's got a number two at the end, and it's brilliant.
1: Sometimes something's just uh, such a classic and, you know, yeah. yeah, just fits so nicely that it just deserves yeah. to be there and just without argument. And I think that probably applies to Spelunky.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I'll do is before we go to your number s- six, yeah. because this also fits in and it's just a quick one from me. So we'll just have a quick shifty round and you. You could do two to get us back on track. But. The one that's at number six is Binding of Isaac Repentance. Nice. Which is the add-on stuff for Binding of Isaac, which is technically a new game, but it's also DLC. But you need a part of another game to actually get this, or you can buy it standard. It's confusing. It's Binding of Isaac. It's always been confusing how the DLC works with that one. You release DLC. I don't care my list. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just, it's more Binding of Isaac. Edmund McMillan has created one of the greatest franchises. single games. Is it a single game? Is it I a... f I don't know. But one of <laughs> the greatest over like single game franchises I've ever played. Um, and it's you know, it's in one of my top five games of all time. Yes, so I know it should be further up my list this time, but it's, you know, I want to give other stuff a chance. It's just I I, I love Binding of Isaac, just like I love Spelunky, and there's not much I can say o- about it other than it's more of Isaac with more bits thrown in. Same core gameplay. I'm my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I think you know, it's a really good... One of the things I like about doing these lists is the variety of stuff about the gaming world and the way that the production happens and the d- design that yeah. sort of comes out when you're talking. And the thing about this is that if The Binding of Isaac wasn't such a f- cultural phenomenon, I'm sure the developer would have moved on to a different IP. Yes. But... I'm sure, I'm positive, that kind of like certain other games that may be mentioned, there's so much demand from the fan base for more of that, more of the same, that yes. they're trapped into doing it. am not trapped, you know. What a nice way to be trapped, doing something that you love. But, you know, that they're doing that content and a kind of like Enter the Gungeon, you know, and yeah. other games like that. And, yeah, if, if the demand is there and... The, the developers are still able to add new wrinkles and new, you know, special little things that keep that flame alive, then yeah, keep
0: doing it. But I want to be entitled now because, <laughs> actually, just on what you just said, first, if EA released games in the way that uh, Ed Millard is doing with Binding of Isaac, they'll be dragged through the coals for it. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say uh-huh. that, yeah, he seems to get away with it and I don't care. screw the big ones I don't care he can do what he wants he makes great games but hurry up with me Algenics, please I want to play a a, a game about genetics with cats hurry up and get that made you promised me that what feels like 20 years ago (laughs) Ed get that made yeah, get on it, stop with binding of Isaac now we're done with binding we're done with Isaac take a break come back to it in a few years remaster it send it to me piecemeal again just get me the cat genetics game
1: yeah don't make us call you George RR R. Martin because you know we want to see this stuff <laughs> don't we yeah, yeah. Oh, yes well no great choice yeah no it's uh, It's never really been for me and that's fine Uh. but I. it's one of those I absolutely recognise the, the brilliance of it so
0: yes Agree with me, Stu. Don't you play my games and like them? That's how it works, isn't oh, it? You yeah. must like the games that everyone must like the same games. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're getting a lot of What's trouble on, on the internet
1: things? if you don't. So, yeah, yeah
0: I agree. Yeah. What's your number six?
1: So, I'll do six and five then. So, at number six is Tetris Effect Connected. Uh, it feels like we've hardly ever spoken about this. It's a bit of an unknown. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, it is the Tetris Effect podcast, essentially. And,
0: you know, I'm not... Just a spoiler. You might not have heard it from me yet, but trust me, it's coming. Oh, as if <laughs> as if
1: people didn't already know. But, yeah. So, I, it, it's made my list because... I've yeah of course I've played it before this year I played it in VR before this year and it's one of those where it's like which is better playing it in VR on your computer in this entirely new way or playing it on your Switch in handheld on the sofa anytime you want and the answer is I don't know (laughs) just lucky that we can and playing it on the Switch has been absolutely brilliant it's really brought me to the game in a way that not even the VR version did it's something that you need to have for me you need to have that accessibility it's got to be something on tap that you can when you you need it's like smoking a ciggy it's like when you need that fix you've got to be able to have it right away kind of thing and it's that it's that for me now and the game itself is just fantastic I can I can see myself improving it's not fast improvement but I can actually feel the improvement as I'm going along and I'll never be particularly good at it but I'm enjoying it more because I can see my own progress and I can see my own progress because the technical stuff in the background is so perfect and it's just essentially a perfect game and
0: always deserves to be on lists. Yes. You always say, we always say there's no such thing as perfection. However, Tetris is. Yeah. Because it is the, you know, I've said this before and excuse the pun, it's the building blocks for every modern game. It is. It's, mm. it's what you learn is get your fundamentals right, and it does not matter what you do. The fact is, you've had crap versions of Tetris where, you know, it's using like other things other than the Tetraminos, and they're still playable because the fundamentals are still there. I mean, only one company has got Tetris wrong, and I'm not even on about that weird. Noah's Ark Jesus Tetris game that was made a few years ago. <laughs> Ubisoft are the only company that broke Tetris and got Tetris wrong. Everyone else, it really does not matter. You could play it. I've got God knows how many versions of it on my Ambedic device. I've got Tetris Effect collected everywhere. Tetris 99. You, you can turn Tetris into a battle royale for crying out loud. And I'm going to shut up now. When I get to my I'm going to say it is there, but it is, it's, it is gaming nirvana. A Tetris Effect Connected literally takes you to a Nevada state.
1: It does. I mean, if it was named in 1987 or wherever it came out, if it was named by the West, it might have been called Dopamine because it is just a dopamine, you know, factory. Um, Yeah, absolutely fabulous. And what has ended up at my number five is another dopamine factory that just came out a couple of days ago. I, I absolutely bashed its way into the top 10 like uh-huh. in a phenomenal fashion in a way that games haven't for a while and it's uh-huh. just like almost like a shadow drop and to get this high up in my list so late in the year really speaks to how good it is and that is Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon
0: uh-huh.
1: and it's just superb and uh, that's all I'm going to say about it for now
0: Oh, why would that be? Could it be because it makes an appearance? No, who knows? Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Who mystery. knows, it could just be that Stu has a, Stu's lying <laughs> and he's just wanting to put it in there because he's been paid by the public. I just want it Who to look knows? big and clever, that's all, yeah. Don't take him at his word with stuff like this. He's getting paid no, off. No, I'm a liar. I just, yeah. Um, <laughs> so my number five is a puzzle game. It's got loads of lovely colours and lights and music and it's not called Tetris. It's called Ecstasy. Or as I used to call it, extas, because it's, uh, yeah, do you know that? Have you ever seen the film Showgirls? No, I haven't, actually, no. Have you not? So there's a moment in there, uh, it's a bad film, brilliant. There's a moment and she's going, like, i am taking her down, uh, like, Vegas and all these posh shops and everything. Um, and she's looking, she goes, oh, I love Versace. <laughs> uh, and it's like no, it's Versace. And it's like no, always stuck because I always thought it was Versace when I was younger. Uh, I didn't realize it was Versace. So yeah, whenever I say uh, ecstasy, and I know it's ecstasy now because you corrected me. I mean, oh yeah, that makes sense based on what the game is. Uh, I always thought it was ecstasy. Ec- uh, ecstasy. I
1: like that though. Uh, but- I like it. <laughs> I kind of want to call it that from now on, really.
0: <laughs> but it's yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's I mean, again, the only way I could describe it is it takes elements from Tetris without sticking to the rules of Tetris. It takes elements of Lumines without sticking to the pure rules of Lumines, takes the music beats of both Lumines, Res, Tetris Effect Connected, and, and other games like that, and kind of puts it in a blender, mixes it up with all the love and care of Nigella Lawson, and produces an amazing an amazing action puzzle game that if you've played tetris if you've played if you played any action puzzle game you will get straight into this and get it and it's also again accessibility options you could change the, the amount of glow you could change the colors the background colors the the colors of the um they're not even tetrarinos because there's like the different shapes and amounts in them as as well but you can change all that and it's accessible and the developer Wants to make it that this game could be played by someone who's nigh on blind by the sound alone and brilliant. Just yeah, I, I you know, someone could make me a puzzle game that I could play when I can't see, then yeah, um, it's just come out on the Switch and it's wonderful, 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 wonderful.
1: But is it wonderful? That's the question. It's wonderful,
0: right, okay. absolutely, and deserves its place in my top five.
1: Excellent. No, I really want to get that. I might, you see, I've got uh, Lumens, which is, I have a real soft spot as a Christmas game. It's one of those Christmas games that aren't Christmas games. You know, like you have your films that aren't Christmas films, like Flash Gordon for my wife and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, It's Lumens is one of my Christmas games, so I'll be replaying that but i'm very tempted to buy ecstasy and and uh, and maybe make that the new christmas experience for myself because it looks great and i've still not had a chance to play it so yeah i uh, honestly this year has been the year of puzzle games for me I, uh, thanks to you you know all down to you <laughs> <laughs> i've played more of them in one year than i probably have in the last 20
0: <laughs> <laughs> your entire life yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, yeah it's yeah it's it's, it's just it's just a brilliant year for puzzle games, and I'm still on the hope, fingers crossed, that we will see a pull of my one of my favourite modern puzzle games, Mixolumia, soon. I want a pull. It's got to happen. It's brilliant. Some of these, there's so many good puzzle games. hiding, and did this next year, there's another one coming out called Spirit Swap by a, uh, I think they're an Arabian team. Uh, well, some of them are from, like, the uh, Middle East and, uh, and that area. Yeah. Um, it's made a mix of uh, people who, who, who are working there. Uh, that just looks absolutely spectacular. lo fi beats, puzzle mechanics, action puzzle mechanics in there. That looks spectacular coming next year. I can't wait. Play the demo of that. It's, that's going to be in there next year for puzzle spoilers, top 10 spoilers next year because, oh, yeah. but yeah ecstasy absolutely brilliant give it a go get it on the switch get it on itch.io get it on steam i think i've owned this game about four or five times over already bring it out on other stuff and i'll I'll support
1: yes yeah definitely just on the accessibility before we move off that game that's an amazing thing that they're doing to try and make it accessible to all and there's that thing that I think we often overlook at like how much more skilled people are at things than you are and yeah. you know it doesn't matter whether they're a disabled gamer they're going to be you know best at some things and yeah there'll be a load of disabled gamers who are just automatically incredibly better at games than I am uh in lots of areas maybe all areas probably all areas not that good but um Yeah, and and it's just literally just an accessibility option that prevents them from getting to that point. It's like building a bridge to the point that they need to be. And as soon as they're at that point, they're absolutely kicking your ass. And uh, that's what I want. I want everyone to be able to, uh, you know, be able to play these things if they can. And, yeah, that's an amazing thing that they're doing there. And I'm really, really impressed with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh, But, yeah, check check it out. Check it out. It's less than a tenner. For a cracking puzzle game, uh, so if you don't want to spend 30, 30, 30 to thirty-five quid on Tetris Effect, it's a great alternative. Really is.
1: Yeah, and everybody needs something to play on their handheld device. Well, you know the family are doing their thing that's boring the crap out of you.
0: So yeah, yeah. that could that could be the one. And unlike the absolutely amazing Lumadis, which is absolutely amazing, you don't need to find a spare three hours just to play through once. <laughs> well, that was... That's the only problem with Lumadis. That's the only problem I've got with the main mode in Lumides, is it takes hours. Well, that's
1: why it was such a good fit for the PSP, you see, because you could just, you know, stick it on pause and put the charger in and then come back to it. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um... Yeah, no, I I said it was my Christmas game and didn't explain why. I got it on the PSP in 2004, just before Christmas. So PSP came out over in the UK in 2005, but I imported a Japanese one when they were really hard to get hold of because everybody wanted one, which is ironic because it didn't really sell very well in the end.
0: I hope you pushed your glasses up as you were going for that. You went pure... Oh, yes, I imported a PSP. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, funnily enough, there's <laughs> so much stuff I've done that people would be like, uh, I don't go on about. Uh, but I like, now and again, I like to bring the odd one out, you know. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I modded a, a Neo Geo with a Uni BIOS when I imported that, and blah, 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 but now I don't go on about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like being tetris really yeah exactly <laughs> um, but yeah no so i got this new console and i bought a few games with it and the, the lumens was the one that just absolutely blew me away i was just stuck on it for the entirety of christmas 2004 uh yeah so good anyway
0: it's never ever i've I've played all the different versions nothing touches lumines on the psp yeah even the remakes, which are spectacular, uh, nothing touches Lumines on a PSP in terms of that series. Yeah. Um, and they also, Shake Your Body is a banger of a tune oh, as well.
1: It. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Oh, anyway, this is not the Lumens cast. We, <laughs> we should probably move on. But yeah, it's a beautiful
0: game. Yeah. Go on, what's your number number before? Well,
1: it's a bit of a surprise, this one. I surprised myself, in a way, in that it's lower down than I thought it would end up. But it just got pushed down for a couple of reasons, and that's Lone Echo 2. So I'm really Mm. glad that I could play it to see whether it landed in my game of the year list. But on on the other hand, I should have maybe left it a little bit longer because it's only like six months or so since I played the original. And... Okay, so caveat, I've only put about three hours onto it so far. Part of the reason why it's lower down the list. But it's not so far doing much different than the original game. And that's not a bad thing, but a lot of people would be coming to it after, you know, a two-year, three-year, four-year gap. After a few months, it's not really kind of, uh, you know? And I feel a bit bad. Yeah. And I needed to put more time on it, but such is life anyway the reason it still gets there even though I'm undecided on its final quality is because it has that humanity that we were talking about it has the best script of any game that I've played this year probably for a good couple of two, three years, you know it's really, uh, it's, it's lovely, it's kind, it's warm-hearted, but it has tension and peril. It has no violence, like we were talking about before. It's one of those rare things, but it has lots of mechanical interaction. It's very intelligent. It never insults the audience, well, you know, the player. Uh, and it's got just, even if, even if the game itself was a bit garbage, which it's not, you would have all of that great stuff too. And it's like an interactive sci-fi novel in a way. Um, just... Really impressive, not like anything else out there at the moment. And if you've got the VR machine, you know a a machine playing it, capable of playing it in VR, then definitely go for it.
0: Yeah, no, it's again, it's one I've I've not experienced, and I probably won't get to experience in in reality. But again, hearing you talk about both the games, it's one that if I do ever go VR, I'm definitely into. I'll definitely give give a go. But again, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a game where you kind of go, it's in there just because
1: <laughs> that—that's enough of a reason. Yeah, I think it's really important that you put things in. You know, this is mental health gaming, and we put things in that we love because they really help our mental health. And yeah, this is definitely one of them. It, it's really genuinely a—it's a, kind of a—it's kind of a milestone in writing in games. And the only reason it's not talked about more is because it is in, on a niche platform. And it's, you know, like Half-Life Alex, which is as good as, if not better than, Half-Life 2, which is many people's game of all time. But again, it's niche. So I would say, if you can't and have no option to play VR... Or particularly VR that will support this game. Watch some YouTube videos, not like all of it. You don't have to watch a full playthrough, but I would recommend watching ten minutes of some part of the game that has a decent amount of dialogue to get a flavour for how it sounds and, and looks and the kind of atmosphere it generates, just to give you a taste of it because it's really genuinely worth it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I say if we if we're ever allowed in each other's properties. Down the line, because who knows what's going on. If we're ever allowed, I'm coming to yours. You can show me. Yeah, sounds good. You're moving now, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not telling you where I'm going. (laughs) But yeah, no, definitely. And talking of story and writing and spectacularness and sort of like milestones, my number four is Disco Elysium Final Cut. I suppose to add the extra bit onto it. Now, yes, it came out. 2018, 2019, whatever it was. Uh, yes, it's it's not exactly you, but it's just come out on the Switch, um, and it's the sort of game I struggle to play on a big screen or sat at a computer because I get distracted too easily. And It's why I'm a big proponent of a big sort of, uh, like I love the idea of cross save in everything because I'd love to have started Disco and Easy when they taking it onto the Switch and back and forth. But anyway, playing it only on the Switch, I've barely scratched the surface, but it's right up there because within Minutes of putting it on, I was drawn into this story, and within minutes, decisions you make are affecting the story. And like it's coming up, you've got these options, and it's like, uh, I don't know what I want to choose because it's going to have an effect. And it's really got me thinking Um, the characters are all really well written decisions you make seem absolute as well which i really like yes uh but it doesn't end the game you know you have so many games you go oh look you made joel do this and now he's dead and you got to go back and do this in the last of us fine i get that but a game where you could go oh look uh you've made the main character do this and just, we shouldn't really have done that because that's gonna be pretty bad but hey let's see where it goes Yeah, it's absolutely spectacular writing. And again, accessibility. I know this probably isn't an accessibility option as such, but it works fully voice acted all the way through. Thank you very much. Because on the Switch, it would be unplayable without voice acting. Um, Because small text. And I get why it's there. It's why we need system level accessibility for um, font sizes and stuff. But fully voice acted means I can play it. It's just, oh, it's it's stunning. It's not the best story-driven game I've played this year. Um, Lacuna, I thought, was very good. And Sunju I played on the Switch, the point-and-click while we mentioned a few weeks ago, I think was a better, so far, better story. Uh, but again, I finished those. Haven't finished Disco Elysium. I'm probably about a third of the way through, but that third of the way through has catapulted it to my full favourite game of the year.
1: Awesome. No, and it just seems like one of those when you're talking about making the next step up in terms of the maturity of games in general yeah. it seems like one of those and definitely ironically at the same level as <laughs> Lone echo 2 that has turned up in you know on our lists and they are absolutely both like that they are the next step up of treating it like a fully matured you know uh, platform. And the only reason I don't have it yet is because it's so expensive on the Switch. I want to buy it on the Switch, but yeah. it's thirty five ninety nine at the moment.
0: It's worth it. Well probably but I'm sure it is worth it. Uh, it is worth it, I had credit, I got given some credit, and that's why I was able to afford it, otherwise I would have been waiting, but yeah, it's definitely worth it. But what it does show actually, um, there's it, Disco Elysium being in there pushed one game out of my honourable mentions, I didn't want to go too far, and that was Beautiful Desolation, which I spoke about a few months back on the podcast, I absolutely adored, absolutely brilliant, it's in the same vein as Disco Elysium, but it's like watching as though you've gone watching Senior Spielbergo's version of a film to Steven Spielberg's. the yeah. um, just it just it's, it's, it's the quality levels are just up there. I mean better writing than a Spielberg film. Anyone who's watched Ready Player one can understand that. Yeah. It's controversial. But we're talking, you know, uh Paul Thomas Anderson levels of of writing. So your Magnolias and your boogie nights and stuff. We're at those levels of writing within a game compared to what it beautiful desolation was um so yeah it's again films so far still much better in terms of conveying certain stories but games like disco elysium are pushing those boundaries and taking us to a step that i think one day films cannot get us to
1: yeah and it's always you know they're always going to have their own place but it's nice that it's the medium gaming medium is finally getting there with how it tells its stories Uh, yeah um yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. getting it just when it's cheap.
0: And it's, it's 20 times better than the a visual novel play on Netflix, Bandersnatch, as well, which I finally got around to watching. That's shite. Oh, I quite that enjoyed video it. That was shite. Uh,
1: I thought it was a good experiment. Obviously, it's never going to be brilliant, but
0: I liked I played it after playing the first few hours of Disco Elysium. Oh, do you know what let's see what this interactive film type feels like and it's so stilted in comparison yeah i don't probably didn't help if i watched bandersnatch first i probably would have like gone oh wow this is really good but yeah i played disco Elysium and that then triggered me into going oh let's check out bandersnatch
1: oh fair enough
0: and I'm, I'm sorry to say a bad word against his lord and savior charlie brooker by the way but yeah bandersnatch was shite in my opinion fair enough
1: ah <laughs> oh, right so are we on to number three are we yes so for you for me and my number three is another comparatively late entry but you know totally deserving of being there and maybe a surprise to some and it's Halo Infinite so it's the only like fully AAA game anywhere in my list um yeah but it's deservedly so I I keep saying that but you know (laughs) I would do wouldn't I it's my opinion but um yeah it's it's had a lot of controversy and a lot of it is fair you know and we'll just briefly go over some of the stuff that people don't like first so people say that it looks you know it gets a bit samey because it's just set on one map and one environment which everyone is calling a biome for some reason and that it doesn't have very many weather effects and that you know effects in general are quite missing and you know it's it looks quite old-fashioned because it's you know designed to work on the previous gen and there's loads of other things about the gameplay getting stale and blah blah blah. Now, <clears throat> the thing is, all of those things are true, but at the same time, it's a really great game, and it, it it's a really good game because the core gameplay, like I've talked about in the last few weeks, is so exceptional, and there's so much emergent stuff that comes out of it that that keeps it fresh, and it kind of it shoots itself in the foot right near the end by having boss fight after boss fight basically and channeling you down corridors which is not what the rest of the game does it then opens up again when you complete the campaign so that you can move around the map again but that does leave a bit of a sour taste but after you know other than that part uh, that several hour stretch which is a pain it's just such a beautifully playing action game that Everything works just perfectly. It's mechanically so sound, and that's so important with the first-person shooter, that the physics work and that the guns have heft and that explosions feel like you know they probably rumble the room and make you feel like you know that real that real impact is happening and. It's just fabulous. I'm not even a big action game fan, generally. You don't play that many of them um, in first person particularly. But, yeah, it's just wonderful. It's got the, that Halo magic in the way that it plays. Yeah. And it surprised me that it ended up so high on my list, but it did. And just one last thing to say. the I had to give up playing it on my PC because... This is another reason why people are down on it. The drivers for it are so bad. It's like, it's sponsored by AMD and I've got an NVIDIA graphics card and it's such a, for such a basic looking game, it uses so many resources on the PC. Really? It's terrible. It, it, you know, it my... My PC is several orders of magnitude more powerful than my Xbox One X. And my Xbox One X runs it flawlessly at 60 frames, whereas my computer doesn't. And it's all down to the graphics drivers. So I switched over to playing it like 10% 10 of the way through onto my Xbox One X and had a much better time. So yeah, it has got a lot of strikes against it, but it's still a really good game.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's... um... Yeah, interested to hear the PC side of it because I was—that's was, way I was planning on playing it. I might just—I might just cloud play it on the Xbox One. I think um, that's
1: probably the best place, the best way to play it. Yeah,
0: not—not not the multiplayer. Obviously, the multiplayer I'll play. Oh, I'll have to play. Okay, well, I, I don't notice stuff like that, so I'll probably close everything down and play the multiplayer on PC because it's still controller based, isn't it? On the PC, yeah. the heroes—they are heroes. And I can't. Don't have to play against someone mouse and keyboard absolute heroes of gaming yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah halo halo's halo i just i I don't know what people expect from halo the first game was flawed in many many ways it was just brilliant to play though and all halos have been flawed in some way and they're just fun um i I think people want too much from them i really do people expect too much from what's just a shooty man's video game it yeah. doesn't need to change the world every time it releases
1: yes yes I, I i completely agree and i i respect people's negative opinions and a lot of you know pretty much all of them are based in fact in one way or another yeah, yeah. and i think that you know there is this kind of well if you're gonna spend 500 million dollars developing a game then it should be something exceptional and i'd say it's an, it's a really great experience and just really great enjoyable pretty much from end to end but with a lot of flaws as well and i think that you know saying 500 million should uh, enable you to iron out those problems well that's where art meets commerce and and you know commerce is winning out over art you needed another you know year or two for it to water world yeah
0: just to see if we're talking about money should equal Quality. Yeah, yeah, and and also
1: yeah. COVID, you know, you can't minimize how big an impact that's had. Yeah, but I'm not making excuses for it. I've recognised its flaws, but I still have it as my number three.
0: Yeah, no. So I think one thing that's important when I when I say like people expect too much, I'm not saying you can't criticise a game. You've got to. Um, you know, I could, I could. Find criticisms in any game, even my favourite games, apart from Tetris, because that's perfect. But anyway, <laughs> you can find it's OK to criticise and still like something. I think that's something we've lost in new ones. Again, it's one of the reasons I really like Mark Commode as a reviewer, because he will find criticisms in things he enjoys and states, this is wrong with it, but I enjoyed it. He I mean, he, he said about like the Mamma Mia film, he went categorically, it's a shit film. But he loved it. Because that's fine. Steph Sterling, in a, in, in their recent um, Game of the Year, whatever it is, I can't remember what they called it in the end, but games they didn't absolutely hate of the year awards spoke about Aliens fire team and said it's not a good game but I enjoyed it yeah that's fine yeah you could critique the, the absolute crap out of something enjoy it and the halos that now I'm not going to lie I phased out ever so slightly because I saw something pop up a notification while you was talking did you talk about the shooting mechanics when you was talking
1: I did I said that the underlying mechanics in it are just fantastic they're by yeah. far the best 343 have done in their games and I've liked all of their games strangely but I think they match or exceed what uh, Bungie did. They certainly match it. They might exceed
0: it. But that's what I love. That's 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 the one thing I've always found with Halo of all the shooters, it's the most satisfying shooter in terms of the actual gunplay.
1: Yes, and also, I uh, you know people have got a great frame of reference because the Master Chief Collection has been sort of growing strength to strength year on year. Yeah, because they've kept putting money into it, kept improving it. So people have played the other Halos like quite recently and you can compare it directly with like Reach and Halo 3 and even the first game and it really stands up on a technical level it really really does
0: yeah yeah I'm 100% and okay, it's okay you've almost got to say I you know, fair play to 343 and even Microsoft and allowed to do it for continuing to support what was essentially a failure in the uh, Master Chief collection Yeah,
1: yeah it's turned it around really has and it, it is a good thing that they've done that
0: yeah. So, but yeah, that's 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 laugh. Triple A talk. We need a we need a palate cleanser. We need a palate. Go cleanser. for it. But, but, at this point, I'm going to say if you're driving, pull over. Okay. If you're holding a baby, put the baby down, because it's not at number one. It's not at number two, but at number three, this year is Tetris Effect connected. Hey. <laughs> It would be my number one. It would be. However, I just... I couldn't. I couldn't. It nothing to do with Tetris Effect. Tetris is still the greatest. Ever. And again, Tetris for me is an all-in-one. So Tetris Effect Connected, 99. The Grandmaster, original Game Boy Tetris. It's not original. There's Tetris. But Game Boy Tetris, the one most people consider the original. All of that is just one. Puyo Puyo Tetris. It's all-in-one. It's Tetris. It's the greatest of all time. But... As much as I wanted to put it at number one this year, I couldn't. Um, but it's up there at number three because it is still just amazing. we spoke about it before. I'm not going to say any more about it. It's just, yeah, I love Tetris Effect Connected. But for me, there's two games this year that I've played that dropped it down from its guaranteed number one spot.
1: Well, we're human beings and we, we always love newness. And if something great comes along, that even if it's not, you know the perfect thing it's new and that's really important you know so yeah i see it yeah
0: yeah so you're number two
1: well I don't think anyone will have predicted this. Not because it's not a game that I or in a genre that I don't like. Even though it is in a genre I don't play very much. But is it Assassin's Creed? <laughs> yeah, that's it. At number one, Call of Duty. Whatever this one's currently <laughs> called this year. No, I Call I, of I, Duty. I, I call of Duty. I don't I mean, even yeah, know what. I'm not even sure. What I, Warframe is the last thing I remember. I don't even know what the new one's called.
0: Warframe's it, not a Call of Duty game. Uh, Warframe's a free-to-play Destiny-like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's the last one I remember anyway.
0: War. No, that's not not even Call of Duty. That's what I mean. It's, Yeah, I don't know. Call of Duty bollocks. There you go. Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah, Warzone.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're, they're, uh, they're Fortnite alike. They made, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's the last one I remember.
0: I I, I don't know. Cleanser, cleanser, cleanser. Cleanser. I've got number two, number two.
1: (laughs) So uh, my number two, probably forgotten about by everybody, is Bravely Default 2 and the, Ooh, yeah yes so this came out in February and I loved the first Bravely Default and for anyone who don't know it's basically Final Fantasy 7 or you know 5 to sort of 5 to 7 gameplay kind of just resurrected really and it doesn't do anything new it doesn't look graphically particularly brilliant it doesn't you know i've got loads of things negative i can keep saying about it but i just loved it and it, i think partly because it just totally embraced what it wanted to do which was well i want to bring to you all of these game mechanics that have been left behind because we've trodden over them with more sophisticated systems and styles and i'm like well i liked that one style and i don't really want to go to anything else and I play so JRPG so rarely, so infrequently, that when I do, I, I want it to be of a particular particular kind. And I just love the battle system in Bravely Default 2. It just, to me, oh, it's just so rewarding, so satisfying. I never got bored of it. I think I played about 70 hours. And it just, yeah, completely gripped me. And I loved just building up my classes and playing with different loadouts and... Oh, yeah, just wonderful, wonderful stuff. I was totally engrossed for, yeah, hours upon hours, and it was just a fantastic experience for me.
0: Yeah, see, I, I, there's nothing I can add to it, because I've not played it, I've not played the first one, but it's one of those games that kind of, like, it sits on a list of of stuff that I go, when I get the time, I will try to play this. <laughs> yeah. I full well, I'm probably never going to get the time. no. Uh, but I really do want to play it because it does look lovely. And if I ever find it super cheap at a boot sale or something like that or whatever, then, yeah, I might I might pick it up and try and see if I can play, do what I usually do with some of these massive RPGs and play about three, four hours, put it down for a few months and then go, oh?
1: Yeah, and I think that should be embraced. I don't think there should be any criticism. Buying a game with the intention of not completing it just to experience it. And obviously that depends on how much money you've got and when things are cheap. But that thing of like having a little bit of experience and then maybe filling it in with a Twitch streamer carrying on that game like almost for you or watching a video of it on YouTube, any of that kind of interaction so that you can have part of the experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think I saw this TikTok yesterday, a really clever one of a guy saying, you know, that we're that he has some artistic ideas, like he'll think of song lyrics or a painting and he'll make a start on them and then he'll leave them maybe sometimes for years. And he felt guilty for years about this. And then eventually came to the realisation that it was just capitalism that was making him feel guilty. Uh, that, you know, we're taught from a young age that once we start something, we have to finish and we have to create a product and all of this. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that anymore i'm not doing it you know i can do little chunks of things once every eight years don't care and i think that should apply to games you should be able to just play five minutes of it or two hours or you know whatever and then fill it in with other people's experience and there's no shame in that at all and i think you could do that with bravely default i'm definitely going to do it with games more coming you know going forward
0: Oh yeah, it's it's again. It's why I think like at Games Pass is such a good thing. And uh, sooner, I know PlayStation, like Sony, are getting on board and going to try and do their version of it. Nintendo need to get on board because they've got so many good games that people could try. I'd happily pay a premium. I'd happily pay ten a month for whatever similar to to uh, Microsoft to play a selection of games um, and to see what they're like. Yeah, Um, They can even, you know, even if they want to go a bit Nintendo and rotate these games in and out, you know, so you get them for like, oh, here's January's games, they're out, and we'll put them back next January or whatever. Just do a Nintendo thing, but do something that allows people to experience these games, because you'll probably get sales from it that way. Uh, Free play days are fine, I get that, but when it's like, oh, I've got two days to play this game, Uh, but I'm busy this weekend, so I don't really want to spend it playing and like trying to camera as much of this game as possible but I mean yeah you said about like that artist on TikTok I do that I've got so many ideas for MHG that it like it it just it it goes around my head like I'll do this do this do this and then I forget or I I get distracted by something else and you feel guilty you know I I spend I actually finally rebranded the Twitter to just MHG uh, because it's just easier and it's like it took me like six weeks to get my head around actually doing that because I was like, ah, oh, people might judge me, and I don't know. And then I forgot, yeah. and I was like, ah, oh, should I do it now? I can't believe I've mentioned it, and yeah, look, the human brain's a weird thing.
1: It is, and we do have that thing from an early age of, you know, to help us actually survive for the first few years. Of yeah, if you yeah, start yeah. this, you must complete it because yeah, because if you didn't, you'd starve or you'd you know yeah. you'd uh, die of thirst or whatever. And so yeah, you do need some basic skills that are you've got to go from a to b to c to d to z eventually but when you're an adult yeah you've got to deprogram yourself a little bit out of it i think especially yes. anything that's to do with leisure or creativity it's like do it in the way that you that you love you know and uh yeah so yeah engage so, with it yeah. anyway.
0: And it's like this and again there's gonna be there are going to be changes next year we'll reveal those once it's all worked out but it's again i started off the idea when i needed when i set up mhg was i needed it i needed to talk about mental health and stuff like that and i still do and we will still talk about mental health but at the same time just talking about games is helping so so much with my own mental health that I, I, I had to choose, like, start look at it and going, actually, stop feeling guilty about not shoehorning mental health into everything, which is what I was trying to do at one point. I haven't got to do that, because that who does that actually help? Because if you do want to an escape, and you come in and someone's talking about, oh, we're going to be talking about suicide again, do, does someone really want that? Or do they want two idiots to be chatting crap about the latest indie game or whatever, there's an audience for that. And it's, it's just getting those balances right and doing what's right for each individual, like for yourself. If you're doing right for yourself, then if other people find that right, good for them at the same time.
1: Yeah, I don't know who this second idiot is you're talking about, but I recognise the rest of that. Yeah, yeah. i um, my other personality. Yeah, <laughs> that be it. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I agree with all of that. But it's it's great that we have segments where we talk about you know, mental health specifically, and pick it out. But, you know, those are skippable if you don't want to listen to them. And anything that we talk about mental health-wise in conversation about games tends to be positive, which is really good, you know, because they are a great thing for mental health. There are very few games I can think of that I would say playing them would be detrimental to your mental health. I mean, they do exist, but I don't think there are very many of them. It's 99%, maybe more than that. Yeah, Yeah, definitely more than that. (laughs) A... Very positive hobby.
0: Yeah. uh, Actually, talking of like negatives that turn into positives, quick shout out, the makers of Stalker Stalker 2 are not going to do NFTs now after Backlash. So well done them for going, oh, yeah, this was a bad idea and backing out of it because, do you know what? That's okay to admit you made a mistake. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it is. And, yeah, that was a terrible error, so I'm glad they reversed it pretty quick. I think people are reversing on NFTs pretty fast, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would be funny if we do actually hit an apocalypse, and they, like NFTs are the only currency, and then someone can go see jokes on you. You were wrong. So yeah, funnily enough, I was at my fam- when
1: I was at my family's on the weekend. They asked me what NFTs were. they were like, but what are NFTs? And so I was like, okay, well, I'll start off by saying that they're garbage. You know, they they're <laughs> they're just a pyramid scheme. They're a grift. <laughs> they are a grift. Um, but then I explained what they were, and I got to the end, and they went, yeah, right. So what are NFTs? <laughs> and I think essentially it's just that they are, you know, they're inexplicable because they are such a ridiculous pyramid scheme style operation. It is a total grift. And I think that they're, they are dying out and the idea is dying out much more quickly. And the, the big lumbering companies, uh, publishers, game publishers has still got NFT as part of their future slate because they're like, oh God, we can't miss out. And I think they're already looking like dinosaurs for having NFTs as part of their, their future scope.
0: Yeah, Ubisoft are basing everything around NFTs and then quickly went, oh, um, yeah, uh, we're remaking Splinter Cell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we had to di- divert. Um, and I was, I was like, oh, bugger, what are we going to do now? Because next time sex allegations come out, we haven't got Splinter Cell to fall back on. Oh, no. Yeah, um yeah. Uh, uh, vile companies anyway anyway what was that that was your number two yeah that was my number two cool my number two and we've been looking forward to speaking about this one is shovel knight pocket edition yes pocket dungeon pocket dungeon i keep getting it wrong i don't know why <laughs> um oh my god what a game what an absolutely amazing game i visually just when I, when I played it, I went, oh, this is going to go as an honourable bench. And then I went, oh, do you know what? This is going to hit my top ten. And then I went, oh, I'll stick it in at number... I think I put it in some seven. Then I was thinking top five. And then I played more. And I went, well, oh, Jesus Christ, it's going to replace Tetris. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, there's a shock because that means something else is at number one that's not Tetris. The Tetris was never at number one. Um, ooh. Um so. But, yeah... Uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon is just, oh, it's amazing. I can't explain why. I can't explain why it's so good, why the loop works so well. Uh, because if I turn around to you and said it's a it's a roguelike game where you need to collect artifacts to help you get through different puzzle levels and it gets increasingly more difficult, it, it sounds like, okay, yeah, done that. It can't be, can't be that new, but it is. It's so spectacularly new. It feels fresh. In a, one, a genre that's tired. Uh, I think the roguelike... I love roguelikes. Uh, cause, and I, I might talk about this in a future podcast. Remind me, because I'll forget. About why I take to roguelike so well. Because I think it's the way my brain's wired. Um, but I appreciate it's a tired genre for a lot of people. And puzzle games, a lot of people don't like. They see them as not, not having as much value. As other games, for whatever stupid reason I don't know, but Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon takes both of those genres, puts them together, and just creates a masterpiece. I think I don't throw masterpiece around lightly, but this is an absolute masterpiece of two genres knitted together to create something very, very special. It really is, and it, if I if I'd
1: had more time than just two days on it, I would have ended up even higher on my list. I think. Um, just to give the, the listeners a bit of context, it's basically it. It's kind of like a mashup, almost of of Mr. Driller and something mm. like Bomberman, uh, when Bomberman did like ad- single player adventure bits when it was good. Yeah, well, I never really took to those, so it's strange that I'm using them as an example, but <laughs> that's done the opposite. So Bomberman was a puzzle game that they made an adventure mode out of, and this is yeah. an adventure game they've made a puzzle game out of. And, so yeah, so basically you, you're in a you know, you're know in an arena, or you can think of it as a well, like in Tetris, and enemies drop from the top, and you have to hit them like you do in Mr. Driller, and you've got to clear them and eventually get out of there by collecting a key that will get you for, out of the, of the room. There are tons and tons of sophisticated bits on top of it, but that's essentially what it is. And the Mist Driller comparisons stop when you bring in the fact that your character has different abilities and can gain different abilities. Uh, When you hit something, generally it takes health off you. You have a health bar, and your health bar goes down from hitting most enemies. So the way that you can survive is by making sure that you chain Enemies as much as possible, so that they when one when you do one hit and lose one health, for example, the one hit changed through all of that group of characters that you've hit, um, and also by you know collecting health. So it's got loads of things in it that are really really difficult to explain. There's also gems, there's a combo bar, there's tons and tons of stuff that make it. If I talked about them all, it would sound like the
0: most off putting thing in the world, but it just makes sense. It's so simple at a base level. I think that's why it works. Yeah,
1: it is. Even though it's got a lot of systems, it, it, yeah,
0: at the base level it works.
1: To try and explain, like you said, why it's a masterpiece is difficult. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> just is. It is incredibly rewarding. It really is. Just like working out. So I suppose part of the genius comes in the fact that you can play it in lots of ways. There's no kind of like, you know, it's got that sophistication, so it's not like the genius simplicity of the original Tetris, which is, you know, try and make sure that you keep aspects clear in the well so that you can get the highest score when you get a particular shape. It's more like, well, you can, you know, run really fast around and take things out and grab health and do it really quickly and efficiently, or you can focus on one area and do that. You know, slowly but methodically, or you can focus on grabbing a particular power up or buying one and using that effectively. And it's just like there seems to be loads of tactics that you can employ. Yeah. And obviously, one will probably bubble to the surface over the next few months. That's the, you know, the killer app kind the of better, thing. Yeah. yeah. But at the moment, at least, there seems to be lots of ways that you can approach it. And that in itself, just it, it is just like an action game and a puzzle game running side by side at the exact same Yeah point. so
0: before we get to what I think one of the biggest bits of genius is with this game and why it stands apart from I think a lot of other stuff is you could strategize on the fly and it's it's so good at doing that it is
1: and I've got a slightly different experience I'm not sure how different but when you start the game you're asked if you want to play it as a platformer well, no as a puzzle game or as a roguelike yeah.
0: yeah so what what you've essentially got is you've got a roguelike mode and a puzzle mode essentially so the roguelike mode is you get one life and that's the base roguelike mode but you could also increase that to have two three four five six seven i think up to ten lives and keep it a roguelike mode or you can have infinite lives and turn it into a puzzle mode which means you can just keep going and going and going until you complete a room with the caveat being in puzzle mode if you fill up a level So that you can't make any more moves and you you cannot get out of that room. Then you go back to the cab and have to start from the beginning again. So that's the only caveat with puzzle mode. But yeah, basically in roguelike mode you get stocks. But the game is the same. So progression is the same all the way through both modes. So if you go to the the cab-based shop and unlock the different artifacts, they can be found in puzzle mode or roguelike mode. Regardless, um, and there's no punishment in terms of in-game punishment for playing it with unlimited lives or even the other options of doing the rooms out of order, turning off bosses, um, making the game run slower or faster, and, and stuff. There's no punishment in game. The only quote-unquote punishment you get is you can't unlock achievements. Which I think is absolutely fine, because then that's a reason to go back and play it and get more achievements. So what I found myself doing is I've got this playing two ways. One is one stock, and I'm going to try and see how far I can get on a one stock, and I've been playing it like that. But what I've also been doing is going, right, I'm getting really stuck at this point, really, really stuck at this point. So I'm going to play it again, and I'm going to go unlimited lives or five stock or whatever and approach it differently so I can take more risks and learn more strategies and stuff like that. And then I can go back and one-stock it again. So I'm playing it both. But also in puzzle mode, what I really like is that I can just turn on puzzle mode, turn the speed right down. So every move you make, like every step you make, is the only time you get things come down. So you can slow it right down and play it purely as a puzzle strategy game at the same time. And all these options are there. And the best thing about turning on puzzle mode, but also being able to adjust the speed of the game, turning off. Bosses is again accessibility because you've got some people who love puzzle games, but due to various physical conditions, mental conditions, can't react fast enough to play the game properly. And the fact you can turn it off, that you only have the game progress as you move, it almost like so almost pure super hot. I think's brilliant because it means anyone can play it because you can take your time, but again, you're not stopping roguelike purists playing it how they want or puzzle purists playing it how they want it's just oh yeah i just can't say enough good feeds about this game
1: yeah i think that um the thing about accessibility is i think it's eventually those options are going to become much more standard like i think that the feedback from halo infinite will with a lot of people will be uh, i loved loads of it i didn't like the fact there were bosses and I think in future they're just going to go don't want bosses turn off bosses I think that's going to be a part of it and it'd be like yeah you don't get the achievement for it that's the only downside you know and I think that would be really good because I enjoyed playing the bosses generally but a lot of people really hated it and if you think if you, you could, if, if anyone came back at you then oh no this game's crap because of the bosses you just like oh, turn them off turn them yeah. off and I think it's going to become yeah. really widespread
0: And do you know what? Do you know the get good crowd who go, oh, that's not how the game was designed. You've just got to learn to get better. What are you afraid of? Yes. I'm going to call you out now. What are you actually afraid of? Are you afraid that that person you used to mock who could have cerebral palsy, not have full control of their hands, might actually be better at a video game than you? Is that what you're scared of? Yes. Is that really what you're scared of? Because... I don't care. I would if I could play competitive Tetris where I can have it at my speed, someone else can have it at their speed, and you know, we can still send like garbage based to each other and stuff like that. You know, they might send more garbage because they got it set at a slower speed. Or I could go, you can send more to me because you need that extra help. Regardless of disabilities, even if someone's just getting new to the game for the first time or whatever, give them those options to get competitive. I want that. I don't want to be wiping the floor with my with my six year with my five year old daughter at a game just because I'm forty and she's five and I'm basically better than her. I want to make it more challenging. It's like we played blockus yesterday as a family. you uh, you not allowed to, to like? For anyone who's played it, you've got to put your pieces into corners. You can't like do like side by side touch. It's got to be corner touching. But we allowed her to do just wherever she wanted to put hers, so she could play with us. That's not the rules of the game. Uh, my son didn't like it because he wanted to win. Oh, she can't do that. Oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. Does it really matter? She's five, and that's how games have got to approach it. Is Mario Kart? It drives itself. Or well, we could. Well, my old Mario Kart didn't drive itself. So what? This one does because it means there I can play Mario Kart with my daughter when she was two. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it goes back to that And thing. there she's into video games. It's so, you know. supposed to be a game,
1: supposed to be fun. It goes back to that thing I was saying about, you know, about accessibility and about achievements and all of that. It's just like, you know, if you want to play a section of a game or play it in easy mode or whatever, that should be totally viable. I mean, I completed, uh, again, to use Halo Infinite, it's, it's, it's a good one because it, it doesn't make any concessions, really. There are very few. So I've completed Halo Infinite, I've completed a campaign on heroic, I've beaten all the high value targets, I've cleared all the forward operating bases, and I've defeated all of the strongholds of the banished. So I'm up in the like, the upper echelons of people who've, to this point at least, played the game on a hard difficulty mode and done it without lowering it or whatever, you know. But uh-huh. that's not me boasting, because put me on Dark Souls and I'll die in seconds, And I will always die in seconds because my brain just doesn't work that way. So I was there bouncing around, kicking the absolute ever-loving crap out of things in Halo, put me in Dark Souls, and I'm an absolute moron. I'm like a walking turd. I want to be able to play those games. I want to play Elden Ring, but I'm not going to be able to because I'm not good enough. If they put in a mode where I could play it, I would buy it. But they are yeah. not going to, because there's, Oh no, you've got to play it the proper way. No, I want to play it in the way that I want to play it. I will yeah. buy the game at full price if you would let me do that.
0: Again, it's why modding communities are so important. Yes. Uh, but it's, it, 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 again, you, you make a good point. I'm never going to play Halo on hard mode. I never play any shooter on hard mode. I can't be bothered for a start. Yeah. Um, so I play either normal, and do you know what? Sometimes I put it down too easy just because, you know what? I just want to get to the end of this game, yeah, laughing it. it on easy. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm not going to bother. Um, but if I was to play you at Tetris, competitive Tetris, and I was to start at level 10, drop myself down to level 10 speed, and put you up to level 10 speed and go, well, this is how we've got to start. This is how we play. I'd kick your ass, but you, and you'd get no fun out of it. But if I was to say, a Tetris Effect does this, I'm going to start at level 10... I give myself a challenge, but you can start at level speed one. We both get something from it. Yeah, I get my we ass both kicked. <laughs> you still get your ass kicked, yeah. yeah. Um, but, it's, but you get those options, and that's fine. And again, if you're doing competitive online for competitions or, or even ranked, fine, set your mode. That's ranked. Anything else, local multiplayer, casual multiplayer, do what you want. Just do what the hell you want. Yeah. And what I, what I really, really like is Shovel Knight allows this as well. And it's got a two-player mode that I've not even touched yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's got a daily. These sort of games, roguelikes, puzzle games, daily modes. <mwah> I know. I will take those all day, every day because they give you a reason to come back.
1: Totally. 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 Yeah So some good examples Of them doing it wrong And doing it right there And and I just don't think That you can do it wrong By having more Like you say I, I think too much of it Is tied to like Male ego In a lot of In a lot of cases You know yeah. It's like It's always men That you hear talking about this It's always men Gatekeeping Dark Souls Type games And it's just like Shut up
0: Just yeah. shut up Look- it's not realistic. This woman is muscly in, in this in, in this post-apocalyptic film. That she's she's a muscly woman um, in this in, in this in this film and in this game where um, they've got like people have had spores take them over and make them parasitic monsters. You know we can we can have the parasitic monsters that aren't actually physically possible, but no, this woman she 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 she, she she's not feminine enough. And that's just not realistic. Yeah, I'm
1: so so over the whole patriarchal judging of what yeah. I can enjoy. So yes, it's great that the civil night doesn't do that. So yeah. And that on a positive. So yeah. yeah. It's um it's gonna be a lot of people's game of the year that wasn't from twenty twenty two. Next it, year. It
0: depends on the rules, because some people say if it was released after a certain day, I think in the last month of the year, then it can't go into next year's. Yeah. Uh but I've played it this year and it I think again, had this released in Mid November, it would be number one yes, for me. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it might well have got to number one for me, which is yeah. utterly unbelievable. I don't think I would, apart from back in 2004 with Lumens, <laughs> I don't think I would have ever put a puzzle game at number one. But it's, yeah, it's fantastic.
0: And I would, therefore, I would have put another puzzle game above Tetris. Indeed. Unbelievably. It's still not as good as Tetris, mind, but just for this year. And for the way it's blown me away, <laughs> and text is always number one. It's, it's my all time number one, so it doesn't need to be number one. Um, it's still my number one, and just in case Mark McDonald's listed. listening. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so we're up big ones.
1: We're up to the, the big ones, yeah. The big guns. So it's my number one,
0: isn't it? It better be good after the way we've just talked up Shovel Knight. You'll
1: probably hate but, it now. You'll probably be like, Why? But anyway, this is going to be, again, a surprise, not because of the game, but because we've barely talked about it on this podcast for a very specific reason that we'll come to. And my number one for 2021 is Metroid Dread. Ooh. Now, the reason we haven't talked about it much is because unfortunately poor Brad's eyes happened, (laughs) the bad stuff, at the time it was released. And since then, you've not really been able to play it, have you?
0: No, and then other stuff. Once I've got back into games, other stuff came out that mean it's sat there now on my system, and I keep going, oh, I'll give that a go, but, oh, I'll play this instead. Yeah,
1: and it's it's not a game that is particularly easy on the eyes if your eyes cause you trouble. Um, yeah. It's not. Meant to be accessible by anyone except for Metroid fans, and that's just both in the presentation and in also you know, the whole ethos behind the game. But uh yeah, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful Metroid game. It is possibly possibly my favourite game to have come out on no Breath of the Wild still my favourite. It's the second favourite game of mine to have been released on the Switch, and it's brilliant for all sorts of great reasons. It's one one of the main reasons I love it is because it it's the things that it annoys about Metroid super fans, which is that it's not classic Metroid and you know me I hate things standing still I don't mind things small games having like just being focusing on one classical area of gaming that's fine, but I think when you're having new releases that are supposed to move a franchise forward. Staying stuck in the mud is 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 death for me, and it annoyed a lot of people because it moves things on. And that really made me happy. Yeah. So it's just the movement in it is phenomenal. It's the best movement. And in the year when Halo Infinite came out, and totally nails traversal and makes every moment of running, jumping, grappling, everything exceptional. Metroid Dread is better than that, and it has all of those things. It has speed you know different levels of speed and and different ways of navigating the environment and all the grapple and all that going through walls when you've got certain abilities and the thing that i love about it is that it's like this is the area of metroid that we really want to focus on so it's not the exploration and reveal of new places being difficult secretive and mysterious it's more towards here are all the tools it's not quite as mysterious but you're going to be able to really exploit that environment without having to, you know, get frame perfect timing on your moves. So it's at, it's like, here are, the, here are the movesets, very accessible, even though some of them are still quite hard to pull off. But if you get good at it and, you know, the the bar isn't as high as it used to be, but you can then use it in so many ways that make you a really good player... layer on top of that that it's absolutely beautiful like it's a gorgeous game that isn't like technically the best looking game but aesthetically it's one of the best looking games of the year by well quite some significant margin memorable bosses just fantastic patterns nice environments some really clever additions And it's all playable on a handheld, and it sucks you in. I was totally mesmerised for... And, you know, it was one of those I completed within a week because I was just caning it every night. Absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Metroid Dread.
0: Yep. No, I mean, the little I have played... Well, yeah, you're right. It's spectacular looking. It's a beautiful looking game. And... Even like the early, I think, hour or so I put into it, I could feel there's something special there. Um, and I can't wait at some point next year to be able to, I mean, I'm either not going to be playing games next year at some point at all, or I'll be back to a point where I can play games. And it's it's that's right at the top of the list of what I've got to make sure I play next year because everything I've heard about it, not just you, but other people talking about it, everything I've seen about it, the little I've played of it, Oh yeah, it 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 just it looks special, it feels special.
1: It is, and it's one of those a little bit like the inverse of Deathloop, where I said in a year's time people are going to be like, "Oh, this is why Deathloop isn't that great," even though that same reviewer gave it eighty-seven. You know, yeah. um, they're going to do the inverse with Metroid Dread. It got around, you know, it's like a, averaging around eight out of ten next I think in a year's time they're going to be like why this is a classic why it's a 10 out of 10 and I think it's because the first time you you, it's such a shock to come up against the uh the robot things that I can't remember the name of which are the pivotal part of the game such a shame that uh, such a uh, change to how the series plays that I think it spooked a lot of people and I think the the lack of you know, really hidden mysteries there's only a handful of really really hidden areas. I think those two things shook people up quite a lot because it's by Mercury Steam it's by far the best game they've ever done by a massive margin Um and I think it shook people up but I think in retrospect and on, on like second playthrough I think it's going to get even more critical plaudits than it did and it will end up really high in people's lists of which are the greatest Metroid games.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I can totally see that. And it's it's good actually to have a, a big name game come out and meet expectations. And one of the things you talk about there with the scores, uh it's getting, you know, similar scores to Deathloop, but they're gonna be seen in different ways. Again, I think it just shows what how the scoring systems actually are in games reviews. Yeah. Because yeah they're te- are probably on, a, on, on levels there's the the way you score them based on scores then yes they probably are same but one they can have same scores one could be slightly disappointed and one could be amazing that's that, that that's just weird to me that yeah. breaks me yeah
1: yes yeah absolutely absolutely and things need time and another victim of a culture where everything has to be a headline and, and the conversation moves on so quickly is that sometimes games and films and all sorts of media need time to grow and they need to time to settle and grow in your consciousness and that definitely happened with Deathloop and I really do feel bad dunking on it because I I appreciate the developers and I appreciate the game I just didn't like it but, you know, that diminished and diminished in the time that I played it and I put 12 hours into that game let's not forget whereas Metroid Dread the more I think back on it the more uh, I I appreciate it and, oh, I can talk about this now because this won't air till after Christmas Day well, on Christmas Day so I am um, one of my Christmas presents. I'm giving my Switch light to my wife so that she's got her own Switch. I yeah. bought uh, a word Switch because did you just
0: look to make sure she wasn't in the room with you? Said <laughs> I had it. to
1: do that and make sure that she couldn't possibly listen to this before I give her the Switch on Christmas Day. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I now I've got an O-Word Switch and I stuck Metroid Dread on just to look what it looked like. And oh my
0: God, it's so good looking.
1: Oh jeez. So
0: yeah. Yeah, don't. I can't. I can't afford an OLED switch. I don't want an OLED switch because I'm happy with what I've got. So yeah, just don't talk about your OLED switch again. Yeah. Well,
1: you would not be able to get old one anyway. No. <laughs> I got mine second hand off somebody. Very, very fortunately.
0: Shortages are carrying on into 2023. Apparently. Well, I'm not surprised. Lots of stuff. So what, I, what I'm glad about though, before I get on to my gaming year, is, um is it's going to force developers to have to still really what they're doing with games because if they want to make money they can't just release it on next gen hardware yeah they can't push the boat out in terms of oh the graphics cards and the processors better so we could just like do this instead they've got uh, some of the best games come out when you're limited and i can't wait to see what that actually does
1: yeah i'm really excited about um Horizon Forbidden West coming out on PS4 because I don't have a PS5 and it's not getting a day and date PC release and I really want to play it because that was another grower, you know? That was another one that I played and was like, yeah, that's good. And then six months down the line, I was like, actually, that was great. Um,
0: Yeah, I love Horizon. Yes,
1: yeah. So... I'm going to buy that day and date on PS4. I'm really glad it's getting spoiled. I really want to, I know it'd be 30 frames per second, but really looking forward to see how hard they push that console because it will have been nine years old by the time that, know. that it comes out. So, yeah, no, that's really good.
0: But 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 it was one of those games that could only work on next-generation PlayStation 5s. So I don't, I don't <laughs> get how, you know, what? like you know we still believe in generations and
1: strange how money changes people's minds though isn't it eh?
0: yeah yeah okay I'm okay with a with a, a a slightly graphical downgrade to keep playing games on an older system so but yeah anyway my game of the year isn't Tetris it's not even a puzzle game but it is an indie game so you know it's not going to be a complete problem. oh suddenly... thank god the relief I know. It's not a roguelike. Not a card there's game. There's no cards involved. No, oh no cards involved oh. whatsoever. What? I know. I know. Um, however, it is fully indie. It's a simplistic graphic game, so there's no, there's no spectacular graphics or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure it could run on a calculator. My game of the year is Rail Route, a train dispatcher simulator. Yeah. Now, come back in the room. Come back in the room, okay? <laughs> just bear with me here. We spoke earlier about uh biddy motorways and how good that is, because it strips down everything to just traffic management. Okay. Now, I like the idea of being a trade dispatcher. this it's definitely something to with autism and ADHD. Um, listening to sort of I think um, sort of like Laura Kate Dale has spoken about before about how much she loves trades and stuff like that. And I know other people who autistic really love trades. And I was like, I was just like you said you love trains back in when I was at school, you'd get beaten up. Uh, but I could admit it now, I love trains. There's something about trains. Yeah. But anyway, the idea of being a, a trade dispatcher is really good. And when you see, like, um, like you watch those like Paddington 24 7 or whatever they're called programs on Channel 5, they go into the control room and you see their little digital screens and stuff like that. And they're having to press buttons to move the trains. Basically, so what someone's done is taken that visual style and made a a management tycoon game out of it. So you start off with this little map and you've got a train comes into a station and you have to release it from the station all manually tell it what track to go on to go to the next station and try and get it within a timetable. You get points and currency for it, areas that you can time it so that a train can pass through a station without stopping and all, all stuff like that. And it's, it feels really complicated, but it's so simplistic in terms of it uses like the trades are just little rectangles uh for each carriage on a trade. So you get your longer trades have got more rectangles, shorter ones, obviously uh, uh less less rectangles. Uh you can get loads of contracts, and basically you get to a point where you build it up this really complicated looking grid. And you could just sit back and watch your whole system be fully automated. And that's just, I oh, like, really, really spectacular to do. And it's just, it's just I, I, I've I, put hours and hours and hours and hours into this. I mean, most of my Steam thing says I put like 22 hours. I've definitely put more than that because I played it on my son's account as well. Because I sometimes play stuff offline. But yeah, this game is just ah, oh, it's absolutely wonderful. It drew me in, and I thought I'd give it a go. And I just, I like, I, I reckon I'm close to hundred hours on this thing. And I don't put hundred hours into many games, but it's just there's just something about it. And when you get an automated line working, it's just oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, but oh, I want more people to play this. It's, it's not going to work on any other system. This will not work on a console. You're not going to play this on the Switch. It is a pure PC game, but oh my God, it is so, so good.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it wouldn't be us if we didn't have a game that, you know, you could, most people can't <laughs> play in some way or form. But that does sound great. And I think going back to like Mini Motorways, it's that thing where the developers have gone, right, so there's an aesthetic, there's a design aesthetic like a classic design aesthetic, and the tube map is one of them. Yeah. Let's use that in our game. You know, let's get that aesthetic in because it will then be purely joyous to to play when because you're seeing something that's really beautiful and functional at the same time. It's done that, Railroot, by the sounds of it, for something that we also don't have access to very often. Like, we don't see that. Yeah. You know, because it's not part of the public... Yeah, consciousness, it's not out in public, it's in a hidden away little control booth. But it's absolutely lovely. And to build such an incredible sounding game around that aesthetic just makes it sound like the perfect, you know, things clicking, you know? You can always hear the clunk in your head, that satisfying kind of clunk of something falling properly into place.
0: Yeah, and I just, I mean, it's... I didn't realise this. I thought it hit its 1.0 release and I think it has hit its 1.0 release but it's still down as an early access game on Steam (laughs) and they are still doing updates to it and quality of life and stuff like that. I mean, I've got my map, my... First game map that I started, well, it's not be like my third, but the one I actually started and played like endless mode or the like based around Washington, and I've got endless money coming through now. I've just got this automated system that I almost wish I could set it as my screensaver. It's just so beautiful to look at. What I'll do. Is I'll stick it. I'll try to see if I can get some recorded footage of just this automated system going on. For I'll put I'll, I'll speed it up to 25 speed and let it go for like 20 minutes or whatever. And I'll stick it up on the YouTube channel at some point early next year just to see how satisfying it is. Definitely, as I said, you've got endless mode, which I really, really love, and it's good. It's That's just really relaxing. Take your time without erring walls, but they're doing events. Going to add events into it, and it's like, okay, that's really cool. So, what what's going to cause an event? Is there going to be like leaves on the line type stuff going on? Is there going to be you know a bit grim? You know, someone had an accident on the line, or if you have trains crash, can you carry on? But you need to reroute because you've got two trains have got stuck or something like that. And I can't wait to see what that does. And the fact it's growing and I've got this much love from it already. Wow, just wow what an amazing game it is. Yeah, superb. It's
1: great when things just click like that. Like I say, that big switch being flipped in your head. Uh, It sounds like a really good one. I'm definitely going to check it out at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do I recommend you pick it up in early access? If you really do like this sort of idea, yes, 100%. Because the developers are very open to suggestions and stuff like that, which is really good. If you just want a city builder... Wait until it hits its full release because it will be worth it. It's got all the Tycoon, and City Builder bits in there, but you've—I think—you've really got to want to play a trade management game to say get this in early access. But I know I—I I forgot it was in early access, which is why I was like, "Oh, it's my game of the year." It could be there again next year unless they completely screw it up or it's still in early access and they stop developing for it. It could well be up there next year as well. It's people who say there's no joy, people I haven't got joy for games. At the moment, play a bit more. There's so much out there. Just listen to the way Stu talks about Metroid Dread and Lone Echo 2 and stuff like that and the way we both spoke about um, Shovel Knight and my love for a game about train management is there's joy in games. There really is. And we're hitting another end of year where uncertainty has reared its ugly head. Lose yourself. Lose yourself for hundreds of hours in these games because... what else have we got
1: absolutely and going back to that thing about not feeling guilty about you know taking pleasure in things or enjoying them for a short time and letting them go and coming back to them however you engage with it all just do it just You know, do it the way that you want. And it's been a great year for, you know, it's not been a great year for AAA games. It's been a very poor year for them because COVID has affected systems more than it has affected individuals when it comes to producing games. So it's been a great time to shine for the indie devs. And they really have. And just pluck the ones you like from our list. Even though it's Christmas and a lot of people won't have a lot of money, some of these are effectively free. Some of them, most of them cost less than a tenner. You know, treat yourself... Fall into it, immerse yourself and give yourself a Christmas treat.
0: Yeah. I say what I will add, this is eleven thirty nine on Steam. That's working out. It's working out about ten P an hour at the moment for me. <laughs> soon it's soon I'm gonna play enough hours that it'll be paying me. Yes.
1: Yeah, God, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those games, it literally pays for itself. Yeah. Uh, because now when I go to a train station where we're allowed, again, to do stuff like that, and someone goes, oh, trains are delayed, I'll go, oh, actually, I think you'll find this is why it happens.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I could fix it. Let me in the control room. Is that, that how it works?
1: That's how it works, yeah. He's
0: never dispatched him <laughs> in the house? <laughs> yeah,
1: can you imagine? You run forward with your bag. I've done is- it!
0: Yeah. I've played railroad. Um, no, it's 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 really good, and I I I hope it does game busters for the developers because they're a nice bunch as well. It seems, and it's different. It's just nice to play a different game that's not something you usually would promote. I can't, you know. I hope it's in a different game of the year list right at the top, but I don't imagine it is because I don't think it will get as much attention as it deserves. So yeah, here's your attention. You can put. Excellent. Tell you what, right? You can put this on your quote. Rail route is the mental health gaming game of the year 2021. There you go. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, it's superseded Metroid Dreads, Stu. Okay, I can live with that. Nice. No, no yeah. other stuff this week. It is, yeah, no, no other stuff this week. We will be back. In the new year. Uh, we haven't got a date for our first one. But it'll be episode 100. We've got something special lined up for that. And then from 101 onwards. It's going to be slight change to format. With some new stuff. We'll describe, tell you about it all. In the first episode of 101. So Stu, sh- shut me up. Take us out. Merry Christmas everyone.
1: <laughs> yes indeed. so yeah, just to, to finish off just a final reminder that all of our choices were our favorites' it's, we're not saying that they're the best we're saying that they're the ones that we we enjoyed the most out of the ones we played. If you enjoyed them as well, that's great. if you didn't that's also cool if there were things that we didn't have on the list that you did that you have on your personal, top 10, then that's brilliant it's great just to promote the fact that there's loads of games out there, except if it's Call of Duty Warframe (laughs) or whatever, because no but everything is valid enjoy games however you want and with the christmas period coming up and sometimes it can be very difficult for people no matter how what their circumstances are then we hope that they are a little bit of a release a little bit of way to get away from any difficulty and also propel you towards nicer things in the new year and that's all there is really to be said so today is christmas on release so have a very merry christmas have a great day Stay safe and stay Santa. (laughs) See what I did there? Bye. Yeah, bye.